Welcome to the True Blue Riffcast. I am Jeremy. I'm psyched to be here this week, even though we're recording a day later than usual. But that's not my fault. Are you trying to say that it's mine? It is 100% Dave. Okay, you're right. It is is absolutely my fault. Hi, I'm Dave. And uh, here's what happened. Okay. (laughs) Jeremy, he he and I started talking. We're talking about uh, making preparations to do our weekly Rift Tracks podcast, right? And I completely forget that we we usually do it Sunday evening. And then I completely forget that uh, I have a a wrestling show that's going to take all night. And I didn't realize this till like, what, the day before? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it was Saturday, yeah, so... The day yeah, and I was like, I was like, oh, crap, Jeremy, I have a show. I have to go put on a bee mask and wrestle as a bee man. I can't make our Riff Tracks podcast recording. And then I realized my life is strange. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, let's just do a Monday night. So... Here we are, and hey, we survived our uh, half-year review, and <laughs> yeah. uh, we don't have 10 million movies to talk about. No, we only have two movies to talk about, but first and foremost, we need to wish the entire gang at Rift Tracks a happy 13th anniversary slash birthday slash whatever you want to call it. Woo! Lucky 13! 13 years it's amazing. I, I've only been a part of it for um, eight years. I have been a part of it since. So it's almost. Well, no, it's coming up on uh, 10. I've been a part of it for 10 and a half. Nice. So, yeah. and my, my first experience with Rift Tracks, uh, I figure this is as good a time as any to talk about it. Yeah. Um, one of my uh, coworkers at my then new job we were talking about stuff that we were into and MST three K came up and he said, Hey, you know, there's this thing called Rift tracks and it's Mike, Kevin and Bill from MST three K and they riff movies and got me really interested. And there just happened to be a live show coming up like two weeks from then. And it was Jack, the giant killer. No, that's such a, that's such a great, such a, Great forgotten classic, Jack the Giant Killer. I don't think it gets enough play in in the in the in the annals in the halls of 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 Rift Tracks. Yeah, it was it was an excellent uh, first exposure to Rift Tracks. Um, there's also the short "What Is Nothing" before that one, <laughs> which. Uh, so what is nothing was like your first Rift Tracks riff. Yeah, that was. I mean, since it came before. Jack the Giant Killer and technically that live show, you know, but yeah, it was, and I was hooked instantly. So what was your, like, what did you go and pick up after that? Did you, do you, do you remember? Um, I went that home. was 2011. There was like, there's like, there's a whole bunch of stuff by then. Yeah. Um, I can actually, uh, are we going to do that thing where we look up what our very first, I, I know what my very first purchase was, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to look mine up real quick. Okay. Let's totally leave all this in. Yeah, because I'm gonna I'm gonna be on my uh my phone right now. I'm gonna log into Rift Tracks. That's exactly what I'm doing. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, we should we should leave this in with all of our dumb little singing and uh I can't believe I'm not logged into Rift Tracks on my phone. What is wrong with I am a terrible, terrible fan. 
Let's see. How many pages back do I have to go? I'd uh, have to go back quite a bit. I, I calculated once how much know. I had spent over over 10 years on rift tracks or like however many years it was when I had uh, added it up. And it was like close to $2,000. Yeah, it's I don't like looking at the amount of money that I spent <laughs> on rift tracks. My, my first purchase, um, I bought four shorts. Uh, at your fingertips, boxes, at your fingertips, grasses, paper and I, and county fair. Man, you're a, you're a short slut, aren't you? I sure am. An unapologetic one at that. I'm having problems logging in because I'm an idiot. But <laughs> um, in the interest of time, I can tell. I think I could probably tell you what my first purchases were. Uh, anybody at Rift Tracks listening, go see how great I am and go back and look. If you care enough. I don't think you do. I'm probably not. Yeah, yeah. Go back and look at my history and see uh, if I'm right. Definitely, the first purchase was uh, the Dark Knight. Um, because, I, in fact, I'll tell the I'll tell I'll tell the story now. Um, it was my second to last Christmas in the army. It was December of 2008. I had traveled all year 2008. I had been to. Salt Lake, I had been to all just like I just spent the freaking year on airplanes just going all over the freaking place. And I just kind of wanted to stay on base where I was. I actually had an apartment off base, but whatever. I just wanted to stay in my apartment and do nothing because I just spent all year. It was it was, it was crazy traveling. Yeah. And I found myself like, huh, I'm all by myself. What's, what's going on? And I. And it was the year the Dark Knight was this was the big. You remember how the Dark Knight just took over everything that year? Oh yeah. So the Dark Knight it just come out and it was like the first thing up because like I had heard of Rift Tracks, but I hadn't really because it started when I was in Iraq and I didn't really really have the time or the resources to really check it out. But I had been yeah, able to check it out. Yeah. You were probably pretty busy at that. Point. I was a little. I was a little busy. I couldn't. I couldn't go get Roadhouse the uh, the, the the weekend that it came out. In fact, well, that was probably on Tower Guard in July of 2006. Anyway, so if I like, okay, I'm gonna check out Rift Tracks, right? And uh, it was really that first time. It was. I remember it's the only time I've really had ever had any trouble. Like it was like the first time. Like I think I messed up the sync. Like the first time I had to try it again, but then I got it and I, it was never, ever a problem again. Like, oh, one, two, three, pause, then unpause. OK, cool. I got it. I mean, I know a lot of know a lot of people have problems syncing. I don't know why. But anyway, I'm not here to judge people. I got it. And it's just like the funniest thing. And like it, it I was not expecting my my life to change that Christmas Eve uh, watching the riff tracks of the dark Knight, And so I think I went and I, after that, I got, I think the phantom menace and star Trek five, some of the really early ones. And then I got, uh, I bought a few over the Christmas weekend. And like, I just, I, that's what I did for the, you know, for like, for like the holidays. I just sat in my apartment and just watched riff tracks after riff tracks, after riff tracks. I've just been a super fan since. So, Jeremy, what's your uh, – because I did this thing on Twitter. Like, uh, what's your favorite Riff Tracks memory? Do you have a favorite Riff Tracks memory? Um, probably showing my 
nephews, <laughs> they they heard uh, me talking to my son about Rift Tracks, and they wanted to see what all the fuss was about. So I decided I would show him a short because we didn't have a lot of time. So I figured I'd start out strong, and I turned on This Is Hormel. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you didn't have a lot of time. That's like half an hour long. I just mean like we couldn't watch a whole movie, you know. Oh, like I okay. could throw I on Ghost House or something. Oh, okay. So you so instead you decided to show them watch get you know, show them getting a pigskin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Did they freak out of that? That was like the one thing I remember. Like if I like if I forget everything about this is Hormel, I'll always remember that 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 pig getting skin. <laughs> no, they, I mean, they, they freaked out, but it was an enjoyable freak out. Like, you know, they were laughing and screaming and yeah, it was a good time. Awesome. That's, that's probably one of my favorite Rift Tracks memories. You're aside, a... aside from the first, you know, going to see Jack the Giant Killer. Right. You're a shorts guy. You're a, you're a big, big shorts guy. There's a short out there and it just reminded me of the pigskin with like a there's a short where a wild pig gives birth. <laughs> that and is I, the behavior of semi-domesticated pigs in a pig park. Oh, okay, all right, cool. Because been like I'm trying to remember, so I so I didn't imagine it. Oh no, that okay. happens, and it is an extremely surprisingly disgusting moment. And uh, yeah, the the reactions are Whoa! amazing. But um. <laughs> What's my favorite Rift Tracks memory, Jeremy? Well, I'm glad you asked. Obviously, I think it's um, me going to the Belcourt uh, in yeah. 2016 for Mothra, being um, uh, something of a special guest VIP, sort of, in a way. They had a seat reserved for me because I had, uh, at that point, I had just uh, finished Storybook and uh, I my comics were getting featured in the digital goodies in the live shows at that point. Um, and I, of course, had been running the Riff Wiki for uh, for a while at that point as well. I don't want to talk about what was going, what else was going on about that day too much, but um, I was having a big problem that day <laughs> with... Um, okay, I'll just, okay, look, okay. Oh, let's get this out of the way. I was having the, the infamous problem my infamous run-in with James Wen was hap- <laughs> happening that night. You can go to pvandawesome.com and do a search for it, and uh, I wrote an article about it. Okay, yeah, yeah, do do that. Basically what had happened was James Wen had found out about a parody I had done about Birdemic for Mystery Science Storybook. He didn't approve of it, and he threatened to sue me for $10 million. It was, in, it was insane. Uh, all this was going on as I was getting ready to go to Rift Tracks Live Mothra. Like I was dealing with this garbage. It was crazy. My my brain was divided, and I was so afraid that this whole experience was going to be ruined for me because I was dealing with James freaking Nguyen. As I was flying to Nashville to go to Rift Tracks Live, I thought that the only thing I'm going to be able to think about is is James Nguyen ruining this thing I've worked so hard on. But when I got in there, I was just like, oh, right. It was just like I didn't think about it the entire time. It was just like it was such a, you know, I got to meet Connor and Sean, our writer friends. 
you know, uh, there were a few people there who recognized me, which I was stunned by. Uh, everybody who came up to me and introduced themselves and all that stuff, that was so nice. I fear I was not as nice as everybody was being to me, even though I was trying to be. That's um, a given. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was just such an amazing experience for me to be able to see this thing live in the bell court. And every time I go to a Rift Tracks live event now, that's not at the bell. I mean, this was three years ago and it's still just like, it's still so fresh in my brain being there at the bell court. And every time I sit down in a theater chair and I see the bell court come up, I see Rift Tracks live happening and I'm not there. I get mad. I <laughs> like, this is, Bullshit. Why am I not there? What am I doing here? This is stupid. I should be there. <laughs> right? So um, I'm going to get back there eventually. Every year I've said I've, I'm going to go. This is the year I go back, and it hasn't happened yet. And I really, really want to go back. So, guys, if you get a chance to go to Rift Tracks Live at the Bell Court in Nashville, go. It's. I mean, it might ruin everything else for you, but that experience is going to be something you're, you're going to remember forever because – I definitely, it's still one of the best nights of my life, I think. Yeah, one of these years, I'll get down there for one of the live shows. You know who was going to be there at the next live show and who was there for the first two live shows of this year? Our good friend, Margo. Oh, yes. Hi, Margo. Are you going to yell at us <laughs> some more? I'm just kidding. Happy, happy birthday. Happy anniversary, Rift Tracks. Can't wait to see what you guys have for us in the future. But let's move on now to headlines. Headlines. <laughs> so San Diego Comic-Con just ended. Boo. And uh, not, not really a whole lot to, uh, to talk about, other than the butt-ton of things that Marvel Studios announced. Like, they seriously dropped a ton of news on us on Saturday. They basically gave us all of their movies for the next two years, uh, starting with Black Widow, which... How is that going to work? I'm not sure. It's going to take place in the past. Oh, boo. Uh, this was this going to be the first movie of Phase 4, uh, May 1st, 2020. And then that will be followed up by The Eternals... Uh, in November of 2020, November 6th, uh, we've got the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series starting up with uh, Baron Zemo making a return, um, played by Daniel Brühl from uh, Civil War. We've got Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings coming out. Um, I have a question about that. February 12th, 2021. Yes, Dave. So with that, is that going to be – so is that going to have, like, the real Mandarin in it or yes. – okay. uh, It's it's going to have the real Mandarin um, being played by Tony Leung. Um, he's going to be the real Mandarin. There was a one-shot that they did, and I really hope that Trevor makes, Trevor at, least, yes, makes at least an appearance in this movie, Ben Kingsley. Uh, because he was my favorite part of Iron Man 3. He was everybody's favorite part of Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3 gets a bad rap, I gotta say. It's a freaking fantastic movie that I think got, you know, just like 
people got their panties in a wad uh, for no reason about that. Incidentally, our good friend Matthew J. Elliott shares the exact same opinion with you about that, about as long as Ben Kingsley's in it, he's all for it. Yeah, I think I think that would be that would be good. Uh, they also announced the Wanda and Vision um, series. Called, what? It's going to be called WandaVision. <laughs> it's it's Scarlet Witch and the Vision takes place after Endgame. What? Paul Bettany will be reprising the role of Vision. And WandaVision is actually going to lead into the next Doctor Strange movie, of uh, which Scarlet Witch will play a role. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And they've said this is the first MCU horror movie. <laughs> what? Yeah, okay. they're going horror with it. Um, they talked about the Loki show, which is the Loki from Endgame that we saw. Um, they're doing a what if animated series, which is all the, you know, like, oh, what if this had happened instead of this? They that's a long running comic series that they've that they've done. And I'm really excited oh, yeah. about this. Oh, they're doing a Hawkeye series. So Hawkeye getting his own show. Uh, Jeremy Renner reprising his role. He's going to be um, apparently bringing in Kate Bishop, who kind of was the new Avengers uh, Hawkeye. He, uh, so he's going to be training her. Hopefully we get Pizza Dog. And in every episode, he has a new really stupid haircut. Because, you know, it's, Hawk, it's Hawkeye. Why not? Then uh, the two, my personal favorite uh, announcements from the show. Oh, I think it's going to be mine, too. Yes. Thor, Love and Thunder. Woo! Directed by Taika Waititi. Once Who again. One of my heroes. I don't know if you guys know about this at all. In fact, Jeremy, I don't know if you know this about, about me, but um, I'm kind of obsessed with Thor Ragnarok. I don't know if you've ever... I don't know if you follow me on Facebook or anything like that, but Thor Ragnarok is kind of a big deal for me. I mean, have you ever picked up on that? Really? That is a surprise, Dave. Okay. I'm shocked. The, jo- the, the joke here, guys, is that even almost two years after it first came out, I cannot stop talking about Thor Ragnarok and posting pictures and stuff and quotes uh, about Thor Ragnarok. I just think it's like not only is it, it it's definitely the best Marvel movie out there. Like, it is one of the best movies of all time, in my opinion. I mean, it uses – the story is, is perfect. It uses color perfectly. The plot is just, like, so awesome. Oh, also, it's hilarious. So to uh, for me to hear that um, Taika Waititi had returned, which is essentially going to be, like, um, maybe not a direct sequel to Thor Ragnarok, but definitely a – successor to it in in style most likely because taika waititi can't help himself but be hilarious right uh i'm i'm pretty excited for that yeah it it's going to be it's going to be very interesting uh in case uh you haven't heard i don't know if you heard about the the actual plot points that they that they announced for it um but it's going to uh chris hemsworth of course is going to be in it tess thompson back as valkyrie um, as 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 she said, as a king searching for her queen, um, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Jeez. And Jane Foster is returning. Yeah, which, she's in a weird like Milan here in the uh, like in the comics. Yes, she is going to be the mighty Thor, uh, which, in all honesty, 
that that series that they did was probably the best Thor story that they've ever done in comics. And I would say one of, but you're definitely right. Yeah, it's got a very bittersweet ending to it. And I doubt that they're going to go that route with this movie, knowing Taika and just, you know, his track record for stuff. Although they might, they might. Um, I hope not. But yeah, it'll be real interesting. And of course, all of the uh, the uh, fragile, fragile white boys on Twitter are Ah. losing their minds over it. And I love every second of it. Feed me more. Put it directly into my veins. I love it. I love seeing these, those people have problems with this stuff. And then, of course, the big surprise announcement, which was another one that shocked me and I'm super excited for. Marvel is making a new Blade movie. Of course, uh, Mahershala Ali is going to be playing Blade. I think he's a great fit for the character. Um, he did play Cottonmouth in the Luke Cage Netflix series, but those don't count anymore. So he's, <laughs> he's free to play another character. Uh, one other one other announcement. I am a big fan of the uh, Marvel Legends uh, action figures, and they do. Uh, if if you're not familiar, they they have a wave at a time. It's like a grouping of six or seven characters, and usually they each come with pieces of a build a figure. You know, like uh, the Spider-Man Far From Home figures come with pieces to build the big molten man. The last Avengers wave came with the pieces to build Thanos. So you basically, if you want this other character, you have to buy all the rest of them. And I never really personally cared enough to want all of them until this new one that they announced at Comic-Con. It's their third wave of Avengers figures. And the build the build a figure is Fat Thor. Oh, and I really just want the fat Thor, like who, who they have officially dubbed as bro Thor, by the way. <laughs> but I, I really, I really want that. Uh, also, speaking of Avengers Endgame, it is officially the highest grossing movie of all time. It has made worldwide two point seven nine billion dollars. That's with a B billion. It is a disgusting amount of money. That is obscene. Now, I'm all for making money. Don't get me wrong. And I guess I'm not really mad at these guys for making that much money. But hot damn. You could like, that's enough money to 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 go to war for like three days. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, that. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, it surpassed the uh, Avatar as to become officially the highest grossing movie of all time. Uh, speaking of box office, um, wow, The Lion King brought in over its first weekend $191 million. Uh, wow. For <laughs> the CG remake that is, from all that I've heard, literally the exact same movie, just CG and different voices. Isn't that, but that's just, isn't that par for the course for all these? All these crazy ass Disney live action remakes or CGI remakes. It doesn't it doesn't matter what Disney does, if it's a Marvel movie or a remake of something or, you know, the the eighth Toy Story movie in the series. It's going to make a crazy amount of money. And those are like the only movies that people go see anymore. 
Well, unless it has unless it has a cameo by J. Jonah Jameson at the end, count me out. <laughs> Spoiler alert! Yes. Oh. Spider-Man Far From Home um, is closing in on the $1 billion mark. What? Yeah. That Worldwide. movie is making a billion dollars? It is a great Spider-Man movie. Well, I'm not saying that. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not not saying that it that that it isn't. That I just said that all wrong. But <laughs> I'm not saying it's not a great movie. I'm saying that I it, it didn't strike me as a billion dollar movie. I mean, my yeah. God. And it's a good thing too because yeah. uh, it's in the I'm contract. Not criticizing it, yeah. Well, it's in the contract between Marvel and Sony that if that if the movie did not make or does not make one billion dollars, Sony gets full creative control back. Oh wow! Are you serious? Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, so it's a good thing because uh, Spider-Man in the MCU has been outstanding, and if they lost that now, just out of the blue, that would suck. And we're gonna go back to the Amazing Spider-Man that I liked, but nobody gives a crap about anymore. I liked the first one. I liked the first one as well. The second one was a hot, a hot mess. It was, as the kids like to say, for 2019. A dumpster fire. A dumpster fire, yes. Yes, but yeah, I mean, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home is number two. Toy Story is number three. I actually um, saw that the other day. Spider-Man or Toy Story? Toy Story 4. And what'd you think? I didn't like it, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, uh, it's uh, it's like, it just didn't feel, it just felt like another one. Yeah. You know, just, I mean, like. And I see everybody praising it like it's better than Toy Story 3. Did you no. see Toy Story 3? <laughs> Toy Story 3 is is an amazingly mo- emotional movie. And yeah. Toy Story 4, while it does have some decent moments, it's not on the level of Toy Story 3. Definitely is not, no. But uh, um, but other people seem to like it, so it must be doing something good. So I can't yeah, really I, yeah. I didn't dislike it. You know, it's not like it was uh, Shrek 3 or anything. But <laughs> so, well, what else? Uh, crawl, the movie Crawl, not Crawl with the okay, glade, but Crawl beat me with to the, it. the flooding and the alligators or whatever uh, is currently in fourth place. And that movie yesterday that I had never heard of before a couple weeks ago is in fifth place. Which movie was that? Yesterday. Oh, yesterday. Oh, I thought you meant something different <laughs> i've never heard of it either so i don't know what happens but like nobody has any memory of the beatles except for one guy so he starts like performing their music and <laughs> like he becomes like this sensation <laughs> that's brilliant that's awesome yeah uh, oh anyway so dave now that we're done with the box office draw how about we talk about some shorts how about we do that? Yes! For today's short review of Rift Track Shorts, we're going to be taking a look at Down and Out, release uh, July. July. God. <laughs> this is July. Released June 30th of 2008. Oh, wow. Safety Shorts are my favorite genre of all of the Rift Track Shorts. The over-exaggerating... It's like watching uh, the precursor to uh, infomercials. You know, is it hard for you to crack an egg? You know, those dumb things. Down and Out has over-exaggerating in spades. And that's why I love this one so much. Right off the bat, 
Uh, we learn how falls are the second leading cause of death. What? And how falling can also lead to trick knees, which is not a thing you ever hear about anymore. This, this short is all about falling. It's the Dick Van Dyke of shorts. <laughs> I, I've honestly never seen so many Pratt falls in one in one thing before. This one is at its best when the guys are talking about how nothing is safe and you just shouldn't do anything at all, ever. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> it's a great short. Down and Out gets four clumsy falls out of five. Woo! Uh, I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, it's really good. It's it's They're all terrible falls, too. Like it's Nobody would ever fall in half of the situations that they show. <laughs> Anytime we talk about safety shorts now, for some reason, I just think of uh, six murderous beliefs <laughs> and just how everyone in that is just a total stupid idiot. Such a great short. <laughs> and of oh. course, Guardiana. Yes. Yes. Safety hides at home or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I know what the actual title is, folks. Please don't at me. But let's go from the shorts to the not shorts and look at our first VOD for today. It would be uh, we're going to talk about uh, something I've actually watched quite a bit of recently. uh, The 2013 release of the, I believe, 1989 movie McBain starring Christopher Walken, Michael Ironside and a bunch of other weirdos you've never heard of. (laughs) And the guy who played Danny's father in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. The the big draw here obviously is Christopher Walken. Like yeah, obviously. So how long has it been since you've seen this one, Jeremy? I watched it when it was first released in 2013. So it's yep. been six years. It's been a while. I I have actually written about it um, on the site uh, more recently than that, but that was just more of a uh, movies to watch instead of the Oscars. <laughs> it was all it was all riff tracks movies who had people who had either won Oscars or were nominated for Oscars. So, of course, I had to include McBain because Christopher Walken and his turn in uh, The Deer Hunter. Right. I was about to say, so the uh, he won for The Deer Hunter, right? Is, is that what his big thing is? Uh, I do believe so. Is that he actually won for The Deer Hunter or was it something else? Uh, let's see, because I have it right here at my fingertips. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Christopher Walken won for the deer hunter and uh best actor in a supporting role catch me if you can uh catch me if you can 2002 so what do you remember about the movie itself uh that christopher walken is fighting drug dealers and the mafia and a colombian dictator but that's sure. that's really it <laughs> and then michael okay. ironside's in it that was the other thing i remember yeah michael ironside is in it and he has a greasy ponytail yes um, <laughs> is there any other kind dave really yeah. Mine's not greasy. <laughs> I'm almost forty, and I have a po- and I still have a ponytail. I'm not. I'm not ashamed. Hey, as long uh, as it's not a man bun, we're good. It is not a man bun. Do Do I look like the uh, the creator and director of Thundercats Roar? Do I have a man bun? No, I think not. And I'm very grateful for that, Dave. <laughs> so the movie starts out. These guys are in Vietnam. We get to look up a cow's butt, and then <laughs> they go and uh, they rescue McBain from this guy with a uh, necklace of human ears. Um, there's one guy he is a uh, who was in Vietnam. Why he's in Vietnam with these guys? 
we don't know. Uh, Santos. So yeah. Santos is fighting a revolution in Colombia. That never happens there, right? No. Some kind of he's a contranista or whatever the hell they're called. Um, so you you could definitely like so it's very very late '80s that kind of that kind of mindset where everybody is and everything's hyper violent. You actually we actually see him and they have a president in this who has like the worst cabinet ever. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a, they have this general that just like looks like he's never seen a man die before, uh, and you would think that a general you would have to be like okay well you know we can't be a general unless you've been in combat and seen people get killed right I mean generally um, yeah, but um uh, the guy looked like he had never been to war before in his life it looks like he just like crawled out of a freaking sarcophagus and be like oh well. <laughs> I'm going to go be the chairman of the Joint Chiefs now. The sister of the guy who was murdered by the um, by El Presidente uh, <laughs> goes to ride the donkey to New York to find <laughs> Bobby McBain. And he goes and he rounds up all his friends, one of who wears a WrestleMania hat. One's a surgeon. Another one is some kind of cop or something. Um... <laughs> And they're like, okay, well, um, since nobody is going to help us uh, overthrow the dictatorship in Colombia, I'm going to go get these four guys. I'm going to go get McBain. I'm going to go get his three doofy friends. And together with these four guys, we're going to go overthrow the Colombian government. Um, And to do so, to get funding, they decided to go on a murder spree of uh because that's the best way to go to to, to get funding for right. your revolution is to go murder a bunch of drug dealers right and then when that doesn't work when uh, they the guy is revealed to have actually have been in Vietnam with them after they just totally kill all his other uh accomplices right they let him live like oh you're in Vietnam oh cool so are we are you are are, are you insane like we are you are cool okay we got no problems with you <laughs> So what we're going to do is we're going to go kidnap a exec. We're going to go kidnap a corporate executive by uh, driving a gigantic uh, Mack truck big rig right into his limousine and then punch out everybody, punch out all the witnesses, take him, hang him up, uh, hang him up over a con- over a with a construction crane over a New York City building. Uh, and and when we. After we do that, he's going to transfer a bunch of money into our Swiss bank accounts, and boom, our revolution is funded. Okay, now we're going to go to an airport, and we're going to uh, fire a uh, rocket, like a bunch of terrorists, into the control tower, kill everybody in the control tower. Uh, instead of just flying there, we have to kill everybody in the control tower first. <laughs> okay, so it's like so they go on this murder spree to, before they even get to Colombia. Right. And so uh, and then, of course, they go and, you know, murder, murder, murder. Uh, and uh, Columbia's overthrown. Um, Christopher Walken succeeds. And that's it. That's that's McBain. That's um, McBain. Did you know, fun, fun little tidbit for you. Uh, this film was not very successful. No, it, it made less than. Less than five hundred thousand dollars at the box office. What? You're kidding. Nope. Less than five hundred thousand. It made 
$456,127. McBain! <laughs> wow. No wonder it's overshadowed by a Simpsons character. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, but that's the real elephant in the room. <laughs> they actually, they actually uh, for a while, the producers of McBain would not let yep. 20th Century Fox and Matt Greening use McBain. Yeah, so and, and that's why that character is called Rainier Wolfcastle. Yep. Um, but, uh, man... But the one of the if, we, if we're going to talk about the riff for you know of the Mike Kevin and Bill side of things, yes. this riff is significant for a couple of reasons. One is that it uh, it was the first VOD to prominently feature an actual movie star, <laughs> um, and it was the first VOD. It was like part of the twenty third what I call the twenty thirteen VOD revolution. It was the first I believe it was the first VOD released in twenty thirteen. Then, like, I think a week later, I think it was uh, When a Stranger Called Back. Then a week after that, it was Cool as Ice. Then a week after that, I believe it was Viva Knievel. Yeah, there um, was a lot of, lot of good stuff, like, right. one and, after the other. And then a while after that, there was The Apple. Then after that, it was Kingdom of Spiders. They And then Psycho 2. They had a bunch of really, really kind of like, I mean, for riff tracks anyway. At that yeah. point, some very high-profile uh, movies that for VODs and before they were just doing like just whatever they could just like whatever they could get their hands on public domain stuff like the guy from Harlem or Ghost House which they could get like on the cheap uh Planet of Dinosaurs which is also public domain Crater Lake Monster which they could get on the cheap Buffalo Rider which is public domain things like that they started making a little bit more I'm guessing they started making a little bit more money and were able to invest in uh these kinds of very kind of high profile cult movies and and mcbain was the first i think it's an essential riff and i think it's a very important riff within the history of the company and the other significant uh i i think if people are going to remember anything from the riff track side of this movie is that there are two f-bombs dropped in this movie not in the movie itself because of course they don't bleep out any of the f-bombs in the actual movie part of it no, right. both Mike and Kevin each get to drop one uncensored F-bomb in this Wow, riff. Mike? Uh, yeah, Mike. Yeah, That's... Mike later on. I didn't remember that until I, – I can't remember what the line was, but I actually watched it. I've watched it three or four times recently, and every time I hear Mike say effing, I'm like, oh, wow, Mike has an F-bomb in this one too. It's like I <laughs> did not remember that. But the one that everybody remembers is infamously like – the president in the movie tells one of his staff members, you're effing with the wrong president, okay? And then Kevin Murphy very famously says, try f***ing with Martin Van Buren. <laughs> that is that is the line, I think, one of the most iconic lines in all of Rift Tracks history. Uh, try f***ing <laughs> with Martin Van Buren. I, I think that that is what... That is probably the line from this riff that everybody is going to be remembered that everyone remembers it for, and one of the one of the lines that uh, no one can really forget in all of Rift Tracks history, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, they chose they chose it well to use that one, <laughs> completely uncensored. It's pretty great, and I'm glad you know. And I'm 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 glad they don't they 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 reserved it just for that one, or actually twice. They don't do it ever again. But it's just like 
I wouldn't have it any other way. So, yeah, I'm gonna have to rewatch this one. It's been uh, obviously far too long. But yeah, McBain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, McBain. I mean, what McBain. else can you say about it? Nice. Anyway, but um, there's another one we got to talk about. This, this. I mean, I'm uh, right now, and um, I'm gonna let you go ahead and take the lead on it because there's actually kind of a little bit of a thing here that you want to start doing. So, our next VOD that we're going to be taking a look at today uh, is actually the result of our first listener poll, which is something I threw together um, after Dave uh, stood me up. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> That uh, no, no. After, after Dave told me that that we weren't going to be able to record on Sunday evening, I decided that I would throw up a poll and let you guys, the listeners, decide uh, one of the VODs that we talked about. And that poll was between Ghost House and the guy from Harlem. And the clear winner by a very, very large margin was the guy from Harlem. So that's what we're going to talk about right now one of the most well-known and considered one of the best riffs from riff tracks. This one was, uh, as Dave said, it was released in 2012 yep. was actually well. released, uh, October 4th of 2012. And if, if you haven't seen it, Oh man, What's I, wrong I hope with you. I hope you're ready for some burnt meat and crappy scotch because <laughs> we're diving right into this. The guy from Harlem is about one Al Connors played by. Oh, Loy Hawkins, my friend, Loy Hawkins, my Facebook friends, Loy Hawkins. He never interacts with me. Like I lurk his, his profile to see because he posts some awesome stuff. Uh, sometimes of him doing karaoke and whatever and it's just like he's just like it's like the greatest thing to have this 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 perfectly nice guy that i could just stalk and just kind of like giggle at but loy hawkins man he's a great guy i love him to death even though i wish that he would i wish that he would return my many emails senpai notice me oh geez uh al connors is a private detective operating in no, not Harlem, Miami, Florida, you goofs. Yeah, what's wrong with you? Uh, he is contacted by a CIA officer. <laughs> uh, they want to they want to hire him to protect the wife of an African head of state in town uh, for diplomatic business. They think there's a security leak and that she'll be under better protection out of the CIA hands, which, you know, um, Al Connors accepts the job, suggests posing as a newlywed couple at a local hotel. And, uh, yeah, at the hotel, that's when he orders his famous dinner of some well-done New York strip and J&B scotch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good, good stuff. He probably had a bunch of uh, ketchup for it, too. They but, don't yeah, eat this, it, though, by the way. No, they don't it's, eat it. Uh they order a massage and the lady comes up and she tries to kill her. And there's like a great, a great fight in the hotel room <laughs> where, where Al Connors and uh, the assailants, I don't know, they roll around in the, in the living room a few times. It's like, it's, it's like <laughs> Batman taking out the Ninja Turtles and Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles only way stupider. 
<laughs> yeah, he just he just clowns all of them, and uh, it's it's hilariously terrible. A- in fact, most of the fighting in this movie is really bad. Like he's storming a compound to rescue the kidnapped lady, and and he gently massages a guy's neck until he passes out. Like <laughs> it's it's but it's it's so good. Like. This is one of those guys. He punches a guy in drag in the face. Ah. And this guy's obviously like not like what he's pretending to be. <laughs> and though and, and the woman that he's with is surprised, like, that's a woman. Like, how could you think that that was a woman? Look at his sideburns. Like, well, that's you- yeah, that's that's actually in the hotel room when room service brings up the, the room service person comes and he punches him. And it's a man dressed as a woman claiming that <laughs> I forgot about this line. He can smell a New York strip steak a block a away. A mile away. Right. <laughs> oh, man. But Big Daddy is the the, the crime kingpin. And uh, oh, but before we talk a, about yeah. before we talk about Big Daddy, I have two questions for you. <laughs> two questions. One. What was I talking about? I don't know. Um, anyway, well, while I remember what the first question was, let's talk about the gangster uh, in this in this mo- in this movie for a minute. They they, they call me him out of heard of me. My name is Harry DeBoud, right? That's the uh, that's the that's the as Kevin calls him the loudest gangster in the world. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, but he's this—he's this very loud gangster. He's the father of the um, African princess that has. Oh no, it's not the African princess. My bad. No. Yeah, his daughter was kidnapped by Big Daddy's organization, um, and uh, Big Daddy's organ—not Big—not Big Daddy's organization. Harry DeBod's criminal organization. They were all so upset that. Um, uh, Harry's daughter had been kidnapped. That they'd just be like, "We can't handle it. We got to go get the guy from Harlem." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Harry DeBald, yes. Um, but uh, let's talk about. Uh, I so very politely interrupted you. So now you may talk about Big Daddy. Ah, uh, well, Big Daddy. It's hard. I, I can't. Like, I can't tell you that few people ever see Big Daddy. Yeah, I know. Be like, I've never seen him. I mean, like, it's it's like we can't really talk about it because nobody has ever seen him. The but only thing anyway. I can't tell you, as he's about six feet two inches tall, has blonde curly hair, and man, you talk about some muscles. He's got some muscles on him, and he always wears bands around his muscles. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay. So, but is but nobody ever not, sees him. Is, is, is that all you can tell me? I mean, it's so vague. Yes. But I guess that's all you can tell me because nobody has ever seen it. That's all we can tell you about Big Daddy. Nobody's like ever that, seen that, him. That that perfect description. That, like like if I saw him on the street, and like I wouldn't be able to miss him for the life of me. If he, uh, blonde curly hair, about six, about uh, how how tall is he? Six foot two inches tall. Yeah, he's got some muscles on him. <laughs> I wish I knew what this guy looked like. Ah, uh, yeah, it's uh, 
It's a cornucopia, everybody. Yeah. Go to RiffTracks.com. Get get the get the guy from Harlem. RiffTracks, if you're listening, guy from Harlem live show. I would uh, I would highly suggest um, watching the Rift version of the guy from Harlem and not the um, unrift version of there the guy is from such Harlem. A thing? Uh, yeah, and it's on Amazon Prime. It's actually what? under the title. It's under the title "The Good Guy from Harlem," but it is uncut. There is um, wait, there's more to that movie. Well, you know how the movie always felt like it was gonna be a softcore porn, like no, travesty? no, shut your mouth. It it kind of actually starts going in that direction for a little bit. Uh, uh that was the point where I turned off the movie <laughs> because I say there's no nipples in this movie. Uh, I I cannot. Uh, oh I can, no! I can neither confirm nor deny that we don't oh, see more than the big daddy's nipples. That, that means that means yes. Oh no! <laughs> so watch the Rift version, um, if you want to save your eyeballs. I want to know how they found that movie. I I have no idea. If we uh, get if 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 we ever get any of those guys on the show. We have to like like I know there's a list of questions we want to ask people from Rift Tracks uh, when they get on the podcast. One of those things is I want to know how and where under what circumstances they found the guy from Harlem because it just seems like it's such a room cult style movie, but no one's ever heard of it. Yeah, it's like it just seems like they just stumbled on it somehow, and it just. I, I want to know how something like that happens. I, I mean, like, I mean, I know how a movie like that happens, you know, idiots. But yeah. um, I want to know how you find something like that. Like, yeah, I. Uh, the there, there's there's a connection with another movie. Um, oh, and yeah, I'm, I know what movie you're talking about. I'm gonna I'm gonna use the, the cannot say. Yeah, I'll say the the alternate title, Super Soul Brother. Uh, the, a clip from this movie gets shared, uh, from time to time it recycles into the, uh, into the internet and people share it around and have a good laugh with it because of how bad it looks and, and how dumb it is. Um, but they, it shares a set with, what? The guy from Har- yeah, like one of the, uh, one of the rooms, I think one of the hotel rooms or something or no, when they go, when they go to the second place that they're hiding out, Al and the, uh, the wife of the, the head of state. Um, oh, um, small booth that, Jessica Simpson's apartment. Yes, it shares that room with this other movie. Yeah. And the only That's reason I, I the know gross that sex stuff happens. Yeah. Yes, that is where all the gross sex stuff happens. That's where the edited out gross sex stuff happens. Oh. Uh, sorry, I just had a uh, Gamer Girl bathwater gag moment. Anyway. Uh-huh. So yeah, Guy from Harlem. It's a classic. They, they. The theme song. The that's how that's how it starts. The the theme song about him being a guy from Harlem, and it's like like an eight minute song or something. It feels like it's eight minutes long at least. And uh, yeah, they the guy really is the hell from Harlem. The guy from Harlem. That cat's a bad dude. Ooh yeah, check it out. Ugh. But yeah, if you've never seen this one, do yourself a favor right now. Well, maybe wait a couple minutes till you're done listening to us, and then go go watch it. 
uh, either buy it or um, go watch it on uh, Amazon Prime if you have Amazon Prime. It's currently available for you to watch on there. Uh, look out for our next listener poll. We're going to be doing this every week now. Uh, every Friday, we're going to put up our poll. We're going to give you three choices to choose from. Uh, this poll will be put up on the True Blue Riftcast Twitter account um, at TB Riftcast. It will be put up on the Rift Tracks Facebook group, and it will also be in the True Blue Rift Tracks Rift. Bleh, bleh. True, True Blue, Blue Riftcast fans, yes. Yes. Uh, it will be up on there. So you'll have three different places you can go and vote for this, and we will take whatever has the most votes, and that's the VOD we will talk about aside from the other one that, that we decide on ourselves. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be a new feature, something we're going to we're gonna do on a weekly basis a couple days before we record. Um, so we have you know a little bit of time to rewatch that VOD and, and get reacquainted with it if it's not one that – both of us have watched, you know, 80 over times. Over over, yeah. There are quite a few of those. Yes. Um, and actually, I will give you a sneak peek uh, of this week's poll. Yes. Uh, shall, shall we drop the uh, choices on them? Yes. You will be able to choose between Twilight. Woo! Ghost House. Yes. And Roller Gator. Roller Gator. Yeah. I'm such a Roller Gator troll. Three. Because I love Roller Gator. Honestly, three of my favorite riff tracks. Yeah, I mean, like, with those three, you can go get any one of those three right now and not be let down. Yeah, uh, unless you're one of those types who can't barely make it through Roller Gator. I don't, you know what, I, to this day, I don't. It's kind of like, well, I guess I kind of get it with the, uh, I, I guess people's biggest problem with it is the acoustic guitar. Yeah. Um, but, Which, uh which would drive any normal person insane, especially if you were trying to watch it without the riff. Well, here's the thing, Jeremy. I'm not a normal person. And neither yeah. am I. And on that note, that's going to do it for this week's episode. I'm Jeremy. You can find me at pbandawesome.com. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, at pbandawesome. You can follow the True Blue Riffcast on Twitter, at tbriffcast. And uh, hi, I'm Dave. You can check me out at SugarRayDodge.com, uh, at SugarRayDodge on Twitter. Um, you can find me at SugarRayDodge or Charlie B on Facebook. <gasps> yep, buzz buzz. And uh, yeah, hey, and uh, happy birthday, Rift Tracks. Happy birthday to you. We'll see you guys next time.